FM Radio for the Agile Community. www.agile.fm. Welcome to the Agile FM podcast, and today I have an uh, exciting guest, uh, Lisa Atkins, uh, with me. And uh, Lisa Atkins, uh, before I, before I uh, share with the uh, audience here. Um, a couple of things around uh, Lisa is I am the agilecoach.com and uh, that's my domain name so I'm extremely excited to talk about coaching especially agile coaching with her and uh, she is the author of the book coaching agile teams as many coaches and scrum masters and project managers out there actually know so first of all welcome to the path podcast Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Lisa, your book was published in 2010, and since then we had uh, talked a lot about coaching and coaches, yep. agile coaches. Uh, the subtitle of your book, and maybe that is something we want to uh, explore a little bit too, is a companion for Scrum Masters, Agile Coaches, Project Managers in Transition. Yes. Huh. My, my cousin was very worried about that title because she said, my husband's a project manager. What's going to happen to him? <laughs> 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 and uh, he, he worked for J.P. Morgan Chase in the days before they were doing Agile and couldn't imagine at all Agile being a part of his life. And, and uh, indeed, for, for many of us, Agile's become a part of our life. And whether or not we like it, it puts us in transition. Yeah. So this book is four years young. Four uh, years young, yeah. Four years young. So it's, um, uh, it's still a book out there. Many Agile coaches and Scrum Masters, I see and notice, uh, have it yeah. on their bookshelf. I'm astounded. It's still very often in the top 10 Agile books in, on Amazon and often in the top 50 books on team development, which just blows me away four mm -hmm. years later. It's really exciting. Yeah. And since then, a lot of things have happened. Uh, yeah. one, of, one of the things is that uh, you and Michael Spade uh, started the, um, the Coaching Institute, the Agile yep. Coaching Institute. Yeah. And uh, through that institute, you're also bringing a workshop to New York City uh, the yeah. 15th of September to the 17th of September. Um, you got it. And uh, there are a couple of seats left, um, and uh, we just want to throw this out, and we will actually talk a little bit about something of, of this workshop, how that relates to all these topics, but this is just up front yeah. for anybody interested in that. How would they get in touch with everyone here to get enrolled? If you go to agilecoachinginstitute.com, you can click on the class schedule, and it lists all of our classes, and it's just right there. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're holding it in the fabulous and trendy Dumbo area in Brooklyn. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So, the subtitle, Agile Coaches, Scrum Masters. I hear um, these terms are being used, obviously, mm. extreme programming, Scrum, uh, some organizations looking for coaches, some are looking for Scrum Masters. Could you bring some clarity um, into this mess out there in terms of job descriptions and roles being performed uh, yeah. in Agile teams? Yeah. When I wrote the Coaching Agile Teams book, I really did not want to make a distinction between Scrum Masters and Agile Coaches. Because I thought that people working if, if, in, with either one of those titles or with whatever it meant in their organization, all those people needed the skills that were in the book. Whether they were working with one team or a bunch of teams or whether they were in an agile transformation role where they weren't working with teams directly but they were enabling those teams to deliver great stuff. So I still feel that way, that everything in that book and everything we're teaching is pertinent to all those different roles. But what's happened in the last four years is that we've definitely seen a stratification and a demarcation between the role of Scrum Master or a more neutral um, term would be Agile Team Facilitator at one, at one level and then Agile Coach and then Enterprise Agile Coach. 
So we are seeing now people starting to use these terms more consistently. I wouldn't say it's completely consistent. I feel really sorry for the managers out there trying to hire an agile coach because it's really hard for them to know what to look for. Mm-hmm. And so what we've been doing some work actually for the last two and a half years on this to provide a learning path for people to advance through those different levels if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to help organizations figure out how to develop their own internal coaching capability. And also to help managers figure out, okay, I'm going to hire a coach now. What do I need? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what are the challenges out there for, for managers hiring coaches and scrum masters? How would they find out like, what, is, what is it they need? I mean, there has to be a mm. distinction of some sort. I have a, I have a mental picture of the two, yeah. of the two yeah. things, but I just want to hear from you. Uh, yeah, well, there, there are lots of different ways of thinking about it. And, and one that I've been involved in um, is through a working group that was put together by the International Consortium for Agile, IC Agile. And one of the primary reasons I chose to be involved in that working group is because they wanted to bring industry experts together to create a learning path to, to develop you know, more and more mastery up through these different levels and to be really, really specific about, okay, at each level, what are the skills we expect this person to have, what is the knowledge we expect them to have, and how do we expect them to be? Mm-hmm. Skills, knowledge, and being, all three, um, at the Agile Team Facilitator level, the Agile Coach level, and the Enterprise Agile Coach level. And so those learning objectives exist. You can go to icagile.com and look them up. And what I love about it is that those learning objectives don't belong to icagile.com. Mm-hmm. They're creative commons. They're meant to be used by everyone. And, in fact, our courses that are also accredited by the Scrum Alliance to fit into their um, trajectory for different certifications use those same learning objectives to get the accreditation. Mm-hmm. So there's already kind of precedent for the learning path to become the standard thing, kind of separate from the certification organizations, mm-hmm. which is one of my goals. Yeah. So I've met somebody who uh, once there, would, there was through a client engagement and somebody actually said, uh, is this a career path going from Scrum mm. Master to Agile Coach? Is there a, um, is there a sub or, you know, a supervisor, subordinate kind of relationship and so on. So um, even that kind of confusion uh, exists out there. It does. And I'm not sure um, what's going to happen with that confusion, honestly. It's not an area that I'm working in a lot because I see there's so much difference between how organization A and B and C and Z mm-hmm. work, work with these things. Some people see that the skills that agile coaches have are the you know, 21st century management skills that everyone needs, so they just see it as a progression into a more leaderful type of management. Mm-hmm. That's really useful. Um, some organizations haven't woken up to that at all yet, and they're still trying to map the agile um, way of working to their old job classifications and measuring them in that same way. Mm-hmm. So it's, that piece is still difficult. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned you mentioned earlier about a couple of things like around skills, um, skill uh-huh. skill sets you're looking for. Is yeah. there is there anything you would say from an from an agile coaching's perspective? Let's ignore all these other definitions for now. Yeah. Um, from a coaching's perspective, is there any kind of personality trait where you would say uh-huh. <laughs> uh, not trainable? It comes, you know, it's you you're born with that kind of thing. Is there anything you, you know, cannot train? It's so funny. I just did a keynote address called. Um, Agile coaches, grown, not born. <laughs> so, I guess that, so I guess that gives it to you in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, here's, I have a real bottom line about this. To me, if someone, had, for whatever reason, does not choose to make the shift 
from finding their satisfaction in driving deliverables to finding their satisfaction in growing people and environments so that they can drive deliverables, then they won't be a good Agile coach. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, it says you've got to be able to shift where you get your satisfaction from. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even hard cases that I thought, oh boy, this person will not make this shift, they do. Mm-hmm. Because th- there's nothing in the way of how Agile works that we don't want. We all love it once we get into it. Um, and it's and it's easy to shift your perspective and the place that you get your satisfaction from when you see what you've enabled in other people and that it's so much greater than what you can drive yourself. Mm. But it does require uh, a very different way of thinking uh, within an organization, especially if you're not an external coach, if you're an internal coach. Absolutely, absolutely. Sure it does. Mm. And, and, um, and I, I love people who are big systems thinkers and who work on those systems like HR performance review systems and the way the organizations think. And I partner with those people because that's not my niche. My niche is saying, okay, good, someone's going to work on that stuff. Simultaneously, we as Scrum Masters and Agile Coaches have to work on ourselves so that we can be the people who will be the role models for these new systems that are shifting. Mm-hmm. I want to I ask you something. Based on your experience with the Agile Coaching Institute, um, is there any kind of um, pattern where you see um, typical challenges, things uh, coaches, Agile coaches face within organizations? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make this an internal coach, let's say. Somebody's yeah, sure. An employee rather than an external. Um, what are the typical challenges, if you had to name one? What is the recurring uh, theme here? I would just probably call it the glass ceiling. That, that at some point, team-level Agile hits a glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, and it's kind of counterintuitive. It kind of doesn't even matter if those teams are producing stellar results. And the leadership on one hand really loves them and on the other hand um, disables them with the way that the systems work in the organization. Mm-hmm. So the glass ceiling is um, lack of leadership maturity basically leaders not becoming agile leaders Mm -hmm. it's systems that are disabling um and um a general a a general cultural incompatibility actually yeah would be another thing that makes that glass ceiling yeah maybe from a different angle let's let's turn this question around and say what are, are there any kind of challenges typical challenges organizations have with coaches hmm Are you bring on a coach? I don't know. So I'm going to make something up here. I'm just thinking about the, you know, thousands of Agile, literally at this point, thousands of Agile coaches that I've had the pleasure of training and coaching. Some of them, some, very many, many of them in depth. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the shifts that they go through. Um, and I think the primary place where organizations have problems with coaches, just thinking about all these folks, I'm getting some faces in my mind, some of these beautiful people, um, is that coaches love Agile so much, they become the evangelist and stay in that role longer than it's useful for the organization and more than the organization can tolerate. I see. That's a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Lisa, you are obviously a scrum trainer, trainer, coach, certified in all of those things. Um, I saw that you're currently working on a, um, a title which is called the Organization Relationship Coach. Yeah. What yeah. is that? 
Well, it's something that I, be I became certified in about a year ago, and the certification process for this is nine months long after you've taken a whole year of schooling. So it's just not, not for the faint of heart, and it's such cool stuff. The, the whole title of this type of coaching is called Organization and Relationship Systems Coaching. Mm -hmm. So we, all, we often say Organization Systems Coaching for short because the word relationship freaks people out. But the bo <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> but the bottom line of it is anytime there are two or more people in, in, a, in relationship together, I'm going to use the word, um, in a team or a different kind of situation, you have the possibility for conflict, for adapting to change, and maybe that's difficult. I mean, basically all the stuff that comes up on teams, all the stuff that comes up at department levels, all the stuff that comes up in organizations. And so what this type of coaching is, is a bunch of skills and tools that you use to help teams and even whole organizations make huge changes and process conflict. Uh -huh. um, and it's, it's exactly the type of coaching that addresses that glass ceiling we were talking about earlier. Because uh -huh. when you have a glass ceiling like that, um, you can come in as a really smart, agile consultant, let's say, or as an internal person, you can get really smart about different things you might try to help break that glass ceiling down. But it's actually so much more direct to get the different pieces of the organizational system in the same space together and use these coaching techniques for them to become more intelligent about what's happening, for them to surface and say things they never would have said, even things that surprise themselves as they say them. And then once that once that stuff has gotten some air, once the unconscious has become conscious, mm -hmm. then the system automatically moves toward health. Mm. It's amazing. The glass ceiling shatters and people go, oh, okay, I get it, audit team. I, I, I get why you have to be you know, kind of hard-ass about regulations. And, and you've heard now what we need, so what, what can we do? And then all of a sudden, solutions emerge. Yeah. And sometimes conflict even exists if it's less than two people. Some people are in conflict with themselves, right? <laughs> well, we are systems internally as well. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, I had a note here um, on, on my paper about advanced conflict. Obviously, it's not about advanced conflict. It's about advanced conflict facilitation. Yeah, exactly. Um, very exactly. important word here. Uh, There's something also you're going to um, do something very special at the Agile Conference, which is actually just around the corner. We are recording this on the 22nd of July. Um, and the Agile Conference, Agile 2014 in Orlando, um, is coming up. Um, can you just um, fill in a couple of things, what you're planning on doing at the conference? Well, I'm doing something really exciting and scary um, to me <laughs> and yeah, okay. everyone else who will attend. Um, so... Uh, Early this year, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory here to have it make sense. Early this year, I took a class called the Next Stage Facilitator. Because last year, we, we introduced a class called the Agile Facilitator into the marketplace. And I've been teaching those skills with really someone who's very deep in facilitation expertise. And she helped us co-create that course. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I got, and you know, I'd never had facilitation training before. It was all by the seat of my pants. So in training that class, I learned a lot more about the things that I was doing kind of instinctually. And then I realized, hmm, you know, I could really use some more depth in this. So I went off in January to a class called the Next Stage Facilitator. And what the woman who was leading that class did was she showed me that it was possible for people to have intense conversations and not have to agree by the end and still be able to move forward. 
And I thought, okay, this is the next frontier for Agile coaches. Because so many people who I um, interact with who are doing Agile coaching, they tell me about how their teams kind of freeze up mm-hmm. or how their, their teams get dominated by one or just a couple voices. And the bottom line is that we don't get the best, most fantastic creative outcomes when we have that situation. We get kind of mediocre results, mm-hmm. mediocre solutions, kind of like, oh, don't rock the boat. This will be good enough kind of solution. Mm-hmm. And so what I want and what Agile is trying to, you know, give us are these incredibly creative game-changing solutions. And so I thought, aha, okay, here's the deal, Lisa, you need to go get better at this first because I tell you what, I am like conflict, I want to run the other way. It scares the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I knew that I had to go ahead instead of run the other way, move forward into it. So I've been taking a telecourse. Um, based on the same woman's work. Her name is Diane Mushul Hamilton. Now get this. This woman is a Zen sensei. So when people say she's a Zen master, she's like, yes, actually. Actual fact, yes, she is. And she's a mediator. So she brings those two perspectives together to create this incredible set of skills and honestly a lot of inner work that the facilitator herself does. Mm-hmm. to really be able to hold this kind of conflict. And so, and so, I've been doing this training. I always try to do something that scares me once a year, and this is it. And, uh, and I've decided that I'm going to host yeah. a live conflict conversation, an intense conflict conversation awesome. as part of my session. Yeah, now, the conference organizers knew this, and I even revealed in January when I put in my proposal, hey, this is something I don't know how to do yet, but I'm going to train for it all year long. And indeed, I have been drawing lots of intense conflict to myself as I've been putting that out there in the universe. It's been coming. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've been working with it and really developing my own skills. And so what I'm hoping to to show people through this demonstration is that we can have these intense conversations, people can disagree, Mm -hmm. and we can still move forward. And it doesn't kill us. It makes us stronger. Definitely a unique thing. Uh, Come to a conference and observe some uh, conflict. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> and in fact, I don't even know what the conflict's going to be about. We put the session on Thursday so that um, I and a few other people I've got kind of posted as sentries around, we can listen in to the hallway conversations that are happening and kind of see what's the hot topic. Mm. What are people you know, struggling with? And so in some ways, this also might create some healing for the community around a topic. Who knows? Great idea and definitely pushing the envelope. At least if I understand correctly, the, uh, the workshops, uh, the three-day workshops you're, you're delivering, I think somewhere in Stockholm and, and all these things, and one of them is in New York, uh, uh-huh. that's also covering some of the advanced conflict facilitation techniques. It absolutely does. Um, we spend probably a, a two and a half hours out mm-hmm. of the three days on, on helping people understand a conflict model they can use with their teams, helping them understand that their role to be uh, most powerful can shift from being the conflict mediator or the conflict resolver into the conflict facilitator. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's another really big head shift. And we were talking about that at the beginning of this podcast. Podcast, mm-hmm. and um, and it's so useful because conflict is here to stay. And uh, the better we can be at helping our teams process it, the more that means that they can have real conversations, and everyone's still okay at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to ask two questions around the, the, the coaches. I want to come back to the coaching because you're such a, uh, 
an expert in this field. You have written, you have written <laughs> so many things. I'm just passionate about this field. <laughs> right. So let's, let's just assume there's a person out there listening to this podcast right now thinking about becoming an Agile coach. Might be a team member, uh, might be anybody with uh, zero experience. What would be a good stepping stone for somebody to get into it? What would be your recommendations of doing first? So my recommendation would be that... Um, that they start getting experience in whatever roles available to them. If they're using Scrum, that role will be Scrum Master. If they're using Kanban, it'll be whatever people mm -hmm. call that various things. Kanban coach, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't really matter. But start at the team level because the team level is really where it's at. It's where you're going to get your most intense experience. Mm -hmm. And honestly, if you can't be the Scrum Master or the Agile coach or the Kanban coach of one team, you will not be able to do it further. Mm -hmm. That's where the cauldron is. Okay. Let's say I am an Agile coach yeah. on a team. Uh, somebody's listening to the podcast is an Agile coach. Um, where to go next? What would be, uh, is this a dead end to be an Agile coach? Or would there be some form of career path you see as a, as a pattern of where do people evolve to or into? Yeah. Well, I think that there's two levels beyond um, being an Agile coach for a team or a few uh, a few teams. Um, one is to be an agile coach at a at a program level or a um, transition team level or a transformation team level. Different organizations call this different things. Mm -hmm. So, but basically, program level um, agile coach, and that's that's being a totally like new century leader. Mm -hmm. So it's, it requires a lot of different skill development and knowledge, and then a further reach for people who really want to enact agile in the whole organization would be Enterprise Agile Coach. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of work being done in that area right now. Um, I was on a working committee, again, with IC Agile to define the learning objectives for that level. Um, and they are available at icagile.com. And also Michael Spade, my partner, is writing a book called Coaching the Agile Enterprise right now. Mm -hmm. And um, and the first four chapters of that book are available on agilecoachinginstitute.com for free because he got the publisher to agree to let him release them. Because we need to have um, more holistic conversations at the, about the enterprise agile coach level, and that's what the stuff in that book is enabling. Yeah, well, yeah. awesome! It's a very good ideas, and uh, and and Lisa, I, I do have to say that we wanted to keep this to uh, fifteen minutes and less, and we did not achieve this. But before I let you go, <laughs> before I let you go, there's just so much to talk about. Is, I know. Let's say there is somebody an agile coach, and somebody's super happy to be an agile coach. Is there yeah. any quick tip? Anything you wanna? leave behind as a, as a quick tip, something maybe super tiny, but something to be applied right away as a natural coach. Everybody should maybe give a shot out there and try. You know, um, I, I, there's, of course, probably 10,000 techniques and tools and whatever, but I want to leave people with more of a general thought. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's a refrigerator magnet on my refrigerator, and it says, it will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Oh, my God. What an end to this podcast. <laughs> I want to thank you, Elisa. You bet. I was very pleased to be here. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Show Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.